Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. You're listening to Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, everybody. How are we doing? Ted Ramey with you here on Morning Tide. I hope everybody is staying happy and staying healthy and listening to the officials and experts orders, sheltering in place and doing all we can to prevent this virus the ability to spread so that we can all get back to some semblance of normalcy sooner rather than later and if you're like me you're trying to find ways to pass the time when we're not working I'm lucky enough that I'm able to do my job from home and I'm able to still able to talk about sports even when sports aren't even happening I mean that's the the brilliant part of what the Sharks are letting me do is they're saying okay Ted there aren't any games There really isn't any news except for a whole lot of speculation about different places and sites of how hockey could return. We're going to have you still talk to players. We're going to have you still talk about the Sharks. We're going to have you still do this stuff. So I'm still having fun, and I hope you guys are having fun as well in what is decidedly not a fun time in world history, a very serious, brave, um, you know, very sad, painful history of time that we're going to look back on in 5, 10, 15, 20 years and talk about when the coronavirus pandemic was happening and when sports were not a part of our daily lives when we weren't able to watch the Stanley Cup playoffs and we weren't able to watch the NBA playoffs and we weren't able to watch Major League Soccer, the start of the Major League Baseball season, March Madness, the Masters, U.S. Open. I mean, you go down the list and that's where we are. Well, maybe they'll be back by the U.S. Open. I don't know. Maybe they'll have golf without fans in attendance. But again, this goes to the whole speculation part of all this. We just don't know. And that's one of the things we get into today when we talk to Evander Kane, who I was lucky enough to have join me to talk about what he's been up to, what he thinks about the potential return. We'll get into that in a second. Really fun talking to him, by the way, though. I uh, I enjoy Evander a lot, and I, you know, I just miss watching all these guys play. I think that's what it comes down to. And I asked him about what he misses and things of nature, but, you know, there's such a nice normal routine that you can kind of set your watch to that you know that when you get off of work or when you get home or when you you know you're sitting in the office and you got that last hour to go and you have the sharks on the east coast you can listen to the radio broadcast at work or you can stream it on your phone or whatever it's going to do you have something to look forward to and it doesn't just have to be the sharks i know that you know most of you are sharks fans but you also follow other sports and you always have that ability it's like what am i going to do when I get home tonight, I'm going to watch the game. Or if it's a Saturday night, what am I going to do? I'm going to barbecue and watch the game. Or if it's a Sunday afternoon, I'm going to lay on my couch and watch the game. Whatever it is, we have that sense of normalcy that we all find ourselves in as part of our routine. Where watching the Sharks and other sports is something that we look forward to. Something that in part that we plan our lives around. Now, I'm not saying that sports dictate everyone's lives and their schedule to the extent that it does mine, but I do think that it's not anywhere outside of the ordinary for people to 
figure out what they want to do on the weekend or weeknights, depending on when their favorite teams or their favorite sports are on. And that's part of the entertainment, and that's part of the relaxation, and that's part of what we do to keep ourselves sane, normal individuals. We take ourselves out of the pressures of work and day-to-day life and live vicariously through the players and the teams and the coaches and the colors and the pageantry and everything that goes in to modern sports. We live for it. We love it. It's great entertainment. It's not contrived in the sense that when you're watching a Hollywood blockbuster, you know the good guy's probably going to win. In sports, you don't know. You have no idea what's going to happen next. In this last week, the San Jose Sharks had two very, very famous games replay on NBC Sports California. Tomas Hurdle's Game 6 overtime winner against Las Vegas and then the Game 7 miracle comeback. And I just, I remember before Game 5, that was in San Jose. They said, Ted, we're going to be doing some coverage from morning skate. Do you want to hop on with Dan and Jamie and Randy and talk about Game 5 and talk about the podcast? And I said, I'd love to. And I just remember getting down there, and the Sharks are down 3-1 at that point. And everything had really seemed like it had just gone from the highs of that Game 1 win to suddenly the goalie interference call in Game number 2. And then you just have a situation where the Sharks had lost three straight. They're down 3-1. And I think that, you know, a lot of the media were thinking that the series was, you know, that it was over. I think that we thought that it was, you know, all but a foregone conclusion that the way that Martin Jones had been playing at that point, the way that the Sharks had seemed just kind of lifeless through those, especially Game 3 and Game 4 losses, I think everyone just thought, well, you know, Vegas has San Jose's number. But I remember that watching the guys on the ice that morning, they were loose. They were laughing. They were not looking like a team that was on their, you know, on their last legs, like they were ready to roll over and die. I think they looked like they were ready to roll over and play. And I remember if you go back and find the clip, it's somewhere on the NBC Sports Facebook page. I told Dan that I expected the Sharks to win that night, that I expected the Sharks to respond, and I expected the atmosphere in Game 5 to be phenomenal inside SAP Center. And it happened to be that I was right on all accounts. It was an amazing scene inside SAP Center for Game 5, and it set the stage for Game 6. Game 6 was one of those battles that you're you're never going to forget. As much as we talk about the insanity of Game 7 and the miracle comeback, the brutal nature of game six, the back and forth, just the unbelievable tension in that game that led to Tomas Hurdle's game six overtime winner. I, I, I just remember watching that on my couch, you know, belly aching because the stress was just so high. And that's, I, I'm a stress sports watcher. It's why I think that the Sharks and the Stanley Cup playoffs have taken years off my life. But I remember it so vividly. Because I just kept thinking to myself, I was like, well, they got game five. Let's see if they can go into Vegas and get game six. And remember, the Sharks do not historically play well in Vegas if you need any reminder. And that game was just an all-out, you know, slobber knocker. It was definitely that heavyweight fight that was going late into the rounds, and you were going to see who was going to land that final knockout blow. It wasn't going to be one on points at that point. It was going to be one on a knockout. And the Sharks were able to deliver the knockout blow. And that set the stage for Game 7, of which 
to this day, I still have a hard time completely wrapping my head around. I'll be completely honest. That's one of those things that I'm going to be trying to come to grips with for the rest of my life. And I remember what I said on the podcast at that point. I had just watched the Sharks complete the miracle comeback. I did an interview after the game with Brett Hedekin. And both of us were clearly trying to come to grips with what we just saw, just one of the most miraculous things in the history of sports. And I was sick, and I was losing my voice, and I had been throughout the the last two games of the series. And I did the interview with Brett, and I drove back to my parents' home because I was going on the road for a, a broadcast the next morning, or at that point later that day. And my parents live closer to SFO, and it's late at night, didn't want to wake up the kids. It's easier for me to drive to my parents' house or my dad can drive me into the city. Anyway, I got back, and I start recording the podcast, and I say, you never expect those prayers to the sports gods to actually come true. You never expect the miracle comeback to happen because that, we've all been there. There's been a point in your fandom where your team needs a miracle. And we're talking about, you know, not just a late bucket or a late goal or wh- whatever it is. Where you literally need a miracle, where you literally need something that otherwise would not happen in a regular game, let alone game seven of a Stanley Cup playoff series. And I just remember thinking to myself, they can get one if they can chip away, if they can do X, Y, and Z. And you just start trying to rationalize how they can do it. But at that point, before that major penalty occurred, you don't think it's going to happen because it just doesn't. That's not how sports work. You're rarely given that opportunity. You're rarely going to see something of that nature happen. And, of course, you don't like seeing the captain, Joe Pavelski, go down with blood coming out from his head. It's just one of the, you know, it was such a scary scene. It was such a weird scene. And you start asking yourself, okay, well, maybe, just maybe they can scrape together some respectability here and not go out with a 3 nothing loss to your biggest rival in the league right now. That would just be not good. You hope they can get a goal or two, whatever. And, you know, you hope for your team to come back and have this crazy miracle win. But it just it, it, that's not sports. It never happens. You want it to happen. You pray to the sports gods for it to happen, but it never happens. And then it happened. I mean, I remember the feeling in the building after the Sharks scored the second goal. I mean, I remember I was shaking because it was such an incredible thing to see. You could feel it happening in front of you. You said to yourself, oh, my God, they've scored two. They're going to score more. Right now, this Vegas team is completely on its heels. And sure enough, they scored two more times. (laughs) Vegas comes back to tie it. We go into overtime and we see the Sharks win it with Barclay Goodrow and one of the most memorable goals in the history of the San Jose Sharks. And, you know, it was just incredible. And they've shown it a couple times. They showed it this past week on the one-year anniversary. And they'd showed it before on NBC Sports. And, you know, you just you can't get enough of seeing it. It's not the same as watching real sports, but it's just one of those things. You can't believe it was a year ago. You can't believe that so much has happened, so much has transpired since that time. Joe Pavelski is no longer a Shark. Patrick Marlowe came back to the Sharks. Pete DeBoer is no longer the head coach. He's the head coach of Las Vegas. I mean, trying to wrap your head around everything that has happened in the year since that game occurred, like a coronavirus pandemic, good luck. Good luck. I'll leave it at that. But fun reminiscing over what was a year ago, one of the great playoff battles in the history of sports and one of the greatest moments in the history of the franchise. And I just hope that we can get back to hockey at some point and give ourselves another opportunity to pray to the hockey gods for that one moment that shouldn't ever, ever happen, but but every so often actually does.
All right, from here, we are going to switch gears. Joining us on the phone line is the San Jose Sharks of Vander Kane. Mr. Kane, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Not much. Uh, just living this quarantine life uh, as everybody else is. Yeah, man. So I'll ask you uh, right off the bat what you're doing to get through the quarantine time. I know you've been watching a little bit of the Bulls and Michael Jordan documentary that ESPN has been showing, uh, like everybody else. So, uh, yeah, like how, how are you getting through all this, man? Yeah, um, definitely watching a lot of different shows on TV. Uh, you know, I know the uh, the Michael Jordan last dance just came out last week, so um, those first two episodes were were awesome. And uh, looking forward, actually, uh, the ones coming up here today. Um, probably park myself in front of that and, and uh, see what else they got going on. So, I mean, it's been. Um, it's boring, but, uh, you know, it gives you an opportunity to, to do some work around the house. Um, that's really all I've been doing. Yeah, nice, man. I, I feel you there. I know that uh, hardware sores have been uh, one of the uh, surprising winners out of this because everybody is uh, finding tasks around the house to take care of. Um, so, like, in terms of, you know, staying in shape or, you know, like, I don't – are you still in the South Bay or did you do you have a house elsewhere? I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm actually uh, I'm uh, I'm back up in Vancouver now. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, we've been you know you try to stay busy, you try to stay as fit as possible. It's, it's a little tough when uh, you know you don't have your normal facilities uh, and you're obviously not really able to uh, to go anywhere to train. So you try to do as much as you can um, at home and yeah. Um, you know, I guess we're all kind of in that wait and see mode with with what's going to happen with sports and obviously the NHL and. Um, hoping for the best uh, in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I have a buddy in Vancouver, and he said that his kids haven't been able to get any ring time or anything like that, and the gyms are shut down and stuff. And I talked to uh, Mario Ferraro a couple weeks ago, and he said that, uh, you know, the the team strength and conditioning coach has been sending them, you know, stuff they can do, body weight and stuff. But, like, you know, like, it's just – it's hard. Like you said, it's that wait-and-see mode. I mean, like – what do you want to see happen? I guess that's the question that I'll ask you. Do you want to see the regular season finished out in completion? Like, is there an end date? Like, if they can't get this back going again till July or August, would you say let's finish the season and then delay the start of next season? Or do you think, like, hey, that's just going to screw up the following season? We kind of have to figure out maybe just a, a shortened playoffs. Like, wh- where are you on all this? You know, I think for me um... – you know, I'm a competitor, so so I want to play uh, as many games as we possibly can. I don't know what uh, what may be possible and what may not be possible if you can finish the regular season or not. But I think I think that's everybody's preference. Um, and obviously, then to, to finish up the, the postseason uh, the way it normally is, and, and maybe start next season a little late. I think that's probably the best, obviously, case scenario. I think you know, there's a lot of guys that, that probably feel the same way, uh, not only in our team, but around the league yeah i mean have you have you texted guys on the sharks or other guys around the league or guys talking about this or is everybody just kind of waiting to see what happens oh yeah i mean yeah there's lots of guys you know we're, we're talking about we're trying to say it today you know the pa and the nhl i know are working uh working together to figure out this last plan to attack but you know like i said it, it's so uh it's so hard to kind of determine um what's really going to happen and what's really going to happen because you know the virus has a mind of its own and we're just kind of as, as, as human beings reading and reacting to, to what's going on. Yeah. Um, until we can kind of get back to control, um, you know, we're not really going to have a, an opportunity to, to know when we're coming back. But 
from everything I've heard and people I've talked to, um, you know, there's there's definitely some, some real optimism of us uh, resuming the season here uh, possibly in July and August. How would you feel about playing in front of uh, empty stadiums with no fans? I mean, that's I mean, I know that a lot of athletes don't really pay attention to the fans specifically, but you know, it's it's a different world. I've been in you know like some low attended sporting events before, but that's still like there's still noise. Like an empty stadium is something entirely yeah. different. Yeah, I mean, it's it definitely weird to bring it back to your minor hockey days. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> With empty arenas, but you know, I, I still think it's better than, than not playing, and it would just be something we'd have to get used to uh, for a little while, and, and hopefully, like I said, we could we could get the building back, back again, and, and uh, you know, fans having that that sporting uh, event experience. But um, you know, I think if if I were you know, and I am a fan of sports, uh, I would I think you'd have more people tuning in on TV, um, and when it comes to the logistics of you know the business side of uh, sports, you know, you get tweak some things there with the with the TV uh, deals and some of the TV companies and try to make it a little bit more uh, viewer-friendly, um, you know, with not having the arenas back and getting some different camera angles and what have you. So I think, I think there's a way way to do it that uh, that, that works for, for everybody and, and kind of can cover the basis that need to be covered because, you know, as much as it's a sport, uh, you know, and it's fun to play and people enjoy watching, you know, there's there's some big business behind it and some big business people, and there's a lot of different things that are going to go into it uh, in terms of sports coming back uh, to life here. Yeah, and you know, I'm just curious, and there's no right or wrong answer, but what, I mean, what if they said, yeah, we're going to keep fans out, but we need to have access to you guys more than we did before? What if they wanted to mic up players, you know, more than they had in the past? Are those things that you think guys, you don't have to say yourself particularly, but do you think guys would be okay with that stuff if it meant that that was aiding the whole, the entirety of the league to get it back going and make the fans involved with it, this, not the same, but on a, on a greater level than they would be since they would only be able to watch on TV? Yeah, I, I think I think as players, we're, we're open to all ideas uh, that are going to benefit uh, our league and, and make our game grow, I think, regardless if there were uh, fans in the fans or, or empty arenas, I think that's something that uh, that we want to continue to grow in terms of more engagement with our fans, uh, you know, from home. And I think that's something that we can maybe speed up uh, and use to our advantage uh, with the situation that's kind of going on. We've got Evander Kane joining us here on Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. So looking back at the, the season up to the point where the the, clo- the the shutdown came in for everyone. I mean, you were humming along just as, you know, we look at your career. You were on pace to score more than 30 goals again, and, you you know, we can set our watches to you being able to do that. So, you know, you were g- having your normal season and not, you know, necessarily you could have gone beyond that too. But what do you think was holding back the team this year? Because, you know, it seems like there were stretches like in November where everything looked right as rain with the team and it looked like you guys were going to push yourselves right back into contention and you did you got back into the into the playoff spots and then December hits and the team starts sliding down again there's the change the head coach made Bob Bugner comes in and it was just kind of there was you know moments of inconsistency or it's like if the team got going then Logan Couture goes down or then Tomas Hurdle goes down or then Eric Carlson goes down I mean was it just was it too much for one team to handle um I don't know I don't want to make a lot of excuses on, on why we didn't have the best you know based off you know certain guys uh, in the lineup, but, you know, when 
for me, obviously, we didn't get off to a great start. Um, you know, we did have some some guys that uh, were hurt coming um, to the season, and you know, we never really had our full lineup um, off the get go. And I think it that can kind of create a, a little bit of lack of cohesiveness. Um, you know, we had we we lost some guys in the off season, and I think we we got off to too slow to start in this league. It, it's really hard to, to battle back. Um, off in October, uh, like we had there, um, we did obviously bounce back and, and had a great November and got ourselves back into the into the race. And, um, but we couldn't follow it up. Like you kind of pointed out, we had a lack of consistency with our with our on ice play. You know that's the bottom line. You know we need everybody um, to be at their best every night and bring something to the table that's uh, that's positive each and every night and. We didn't have enough of that on a consistent enough basis in order to compete uh, the way we, the way we can. Because I mean, you look at our team on paper, you look at the talent we have. There's no excuse why uh, why we had the year we did, and you know we got to be hungry and, and ready to correct uh, those mistakes and, and get rid of those ups and downs uh, that we have this year and moving into next year. Yeah, and you know you alluded to the off season, you know changes, and the big one was you know, Pavelski leaving, and, you know, this is in no way to take anything away from what Logan Couture has done as the captain because I think, you know, Logan's the man, and I love his game, and I love watching him play. But just because of what Pavelski meant to the franchise, I mean, do you think that – not that it impacted the, the locker room at all or that it impacted the play on the ice, but just when a big personality like that leaves, is there a little bit of, a, of an adjustment period for a team in hockey? I mean, you've been around for a while now. Yeah, I, I think there was. Um... You know, I think with Paz leaving, um, you know, him being a shark for, for obviously his entire career and being a captain for, uh, you know, the, the last handful of years, he, um, he meant a lot to the room. He, he knew how to, um, kind of navigate, uh, through all the, through all the, through all the guys on the team. And, um, I think this year coming in, um, you know, there, there wasn't really much of a dynamic change in the locker room, really, if any. But I, I think, you know, and he's a lot of good stuff for us on the ice. You know, he, he has a very unique skill set that, uh, that that not many guys have in this league. And, you know, I, but at the same time, I think Duke should have, he did a good job um, of filling, uh, filling that position and filling those holes. And, you know, I think as his first year, he's going to just continue to get better and better. So going from there, I'll ask you this. Like, there were a lot of games this year where you guys did the right thing, where you played a really sound game, where you guys got back on defense. You did everything right, but the results didn't come. I just – how frustrating was that for you guys? Because I always felt like when I was talking to you guys after the games and watching the interviews you guys would do with the rest of the media, there was never a, a defeatist mentality. There was never a thought that – things weren't going to go in the right direction that you guys wouldn't turn that page so was that was that disorienting the fact that you guys were doing the right things but still not getting the results that maybe you thought you deserved well you know there were definitely some games where i thought we played you know we we you could say we you know we did enough to win but at the end of the day you still have to to, to score and, and you know we we went from one of the highest scoring teams or the second highest scoring team in the league previous year to you know, in the bottom five, and, and that uh, that's unacceptable as well. You know, we we had to we we, we didn't finish um, enough during the course of games, and and in certain 
certain positions and at times in, in different games to, to be able to have success. And, you know, when you don't score, you can't win, no matter how, uh, how well you play defensively. So, um, you know, a lot of the times when our goalies were playing well for us, you know, we didn't give them any run support. You know, you're, you're not going to win when, when you're playing like that. So, not, and that's not to say that we don't have guys on our, on our team that, that can't score. We, we definitely do. Um, so, you know, we got to find a way to, to, again, be more consistent in, in that area as well and, and play, uh, play a better five-on-five game. So I'll ask you this to close it out. And, again, we've been joined by Evander Kane here on Morning Tide. What, what do you miss the most about the game right now? Because this isn't an off-season. It's not a work stoppage. It's not anything we've you know, ever experienced before in the, in the modern sports world. Is it, is it silencing a crowd on the road with a goal? Is it you know, giving somebody a, a good check? Is it trash-talking somebody on the ice? I mean, what, what, what do you miss the most right now? Yeah, it's all the above uh, <laughs> you just mentioned. Um, you know, I just you, you know you miss competing. Um, competing uh, for me, that's that's the biggest thing. Uh, you know, that's why that's why you sign up to play uh, professional sports at the highest level, compete against the best. And um, you know, even even in the off season, you know, it doesn't take long to start missing that feeling of getting ready for a game and getting prepared and. Um, you know, we we were so far we've been shortchanged to that, and hopefully we can we can resume play here in the near future and and uh, recoup those games that uh, that we've missed so far, and, and like I said, get back to, to doing what we all love to do. Well, Evander, I know you've got stuff to do because uh, there's always stuff to do, even in the midst of a uh, shelter in place. So I will let you get back to that. But by all means, uh, stay happy, stay healthy uh, to you and yours as well. And hopefully sooner rather than later, I can be talking to you about uh, game situations, things on the ice, as opposed to your television habits. Uh, Not that I don't like that, but I think we'll all be uh, happier when we're, we're talking about hockey again, man. But like I said, Uh, Stay happy, stay healthy, and I'll bug you again soon. All right, man? Awesome. Thanks very much for having me on. Great talking to Evander Kane, and I thought he had some really thoughtful answers and some very interesting stuff to say about how he's getting along, about what maybe the league is going to do in terms of a return without fans. And just good to hear the man's voice, and I look forward again to watching him back out on the ice at some point sooner rather than later, of course, when it's safe for everyone, the players to be playing against each other, but... You know, I know we'll get back to hockey at some point, and I know we're all frustrated, but, you know, safety above all else, and I would rather everyone stay healthy and be able to celebrate good times with their families before we get back to to hockey and before we get back to sports. Let's take care of the most important things in life first, which are friends and family. Make sure that everyone is safe. Then we can start getting back to the world of hockey. My good friend Dan Rusinowski, the radio play-by-play voice of the San Jose Sharks, as you all well know, has a great schedule of games coming up this week for Classic Sharks broadcasts. On Monday night, he's going to be playing the Sharks' first playoff game in franchise history. This is from April 18, 1994. The Sharks are at Detroit. On Tuesday night, he's going to be playing game one of the 2016 playoffs, their first game in their run to the Stanley Cup final that year. Sharks taking on the Kings. Thursday night at 7, he's going to be playing Game 3 at Dallas from 1998, the first playoff win in Patrick Marlowe's NHL career. And on Saturday night, he's going to be playing the Sharks at Toronto, Game 1 of that series, the Sharks' first game after their upset win in Detroit. 
Dan's been doing some really interesting stuff on his cast, the 1991 Club, and he's also been getting some great interviews going back on some of these playoff series. And I wanted to get you guys some cuts because you might not be a member of the 1991 Club. I just recommend you check it out for the podcast alone. There are a lot of other benefits, but Dan's doing some really cool work. So uh, here is a, a cut with Ray Whitney talking about his time with the San Jose Sharks. Well, there's a couple teams, and I've told uh, I've told uh, Doug Wilson this as well. There's a couple teams that were forever and will always be part of my heart. Uh, and obviously, the Edmonton owners are one of them. Um, you know, and, and the San Jose Sharks would be would be the second. And um, and I know Carolina would be they'd be there in the third. But I, I don't I don't get that opportunity without the San Jose Sharks. And uh, Doug Wilson being my first roommate, actually, <laughs> my first year, I groomed Doug for uh, two or three weeks. Um, so the San Jose Sharks are very important. I love the organization. Um, I love the Bay Area. Um, I, I really did. It's it's one of the best organizations in the league. Ownership-wise, it's it's tremendous. Um, I, I really enjoyed my time in San Jose. Unfortunately, um, I just didn't have the success that I wish I you know that I did the rest of my career. I wish I could have had that success in in San Jose and stayed there just a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, you think about everything that Whitney did over the course of his career and the player he turned into and the length of his career. Uh, an incredible guy, an incredible interview. I recommend you check that out with the 1991 Club podcast. Be sure to check out the 1991 Club again if you haven't already. Dan also talked to Owen Nolan, and I thought this was a really cool cut talking about Patrick Marlowe, what Nolan thought about him early on. Absolutely. Just to, just to skating alone, you knew he was going to have a long career. He's at that speed like a Mike Modano. Uh, guys that uh, skate effortlessly and make it look so easy where the rest of us have to to work our ass off to get to, to where we need to be. But um, the skill was there. The talent was there, no doubt about it. Uh, and the way he could skate, uh, you knew he was going to have a long, great career. Yeah, no doubt. And that career has yet to come to an end, and it's not going to for a while. But it's fun hearing Owen Nolan talk about these guys, and it's fun just watching Owen Nolan be very, you know, he's very, not. I wouldn't even say deadpan, but he's just, he's very, very honest. And I think it's one of the reasons why he's so beloved by people, not just within the Sharks fan base, but everywhere. I've done events with Owen Nolan before, and people just gravitate to the guy. He's just got that personality. You know, he's just kind of got that way about him that everybody wants to be in on him. And it's always fun hearing to what Owen Nolan has to say. So pretty cool stuff there. But I think that about brings it to a close for this edition of Morning Tide. Thank you all for joining me as always. I want to give a big thank you to Evander Kane for talking to us this time and, of course, to the San Jose Sharks for continuing to make this show a reality in the midst of the shelter in place. Stay healthy. Stay happy, everyone. Take care of yourselves, your family, your friends. And as I say, uh, you know, at least once a podcast, hopefully sooner rather than later, we will get back to some sense of normalcy and be able to talk about real hockey games sometime soon. But for now, I'm having fun, and I'm hoping you are too. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off.